Welcome back to Armor on the Air. Yay! Welcome, Caroline. It's Armor on the Air time. <laughs> yeah! That was awfully cringy. Welcome back to Armor on the Air, the podcast where we discuss community health and antimicrobial resistant superbugs while it becomes increasingly evident that I am a lizard person. Lizard person. Lizard person. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dana. And I am Caroline. We're a part of a student organization at the University of Colorado Boulder called ARMOR, which stands for Antimicrobial Resistance Mediation Outreach. We raise awareness about bacteria and our relationships as humans with bacteria in an effort to encourage more conscious decisions about community health and the responsible use of antibiotics and other treatments for infections. Welcome back, Caroline. How are you doing? Thank you. I am um, very, very hot, very warm. This weather is... Uh, it's that time of year. It is, and like my Scandinavian upbringing has not prepared me for this. <laughs> this is... Uh, I am not ready. Uh, I mean, you shouldn't feel bad. I, I spent most of my formative years in Arizona. Um, for those of you who are not from the United States, that is the actual desert. And, I've um, heard that it should be like... Hill. Yeah, it's Heat quite wise. warm in the summer, yes. It was okay. so hot last summer that planes could not take off the ground. Like, the air was so hot that it wasn't dense enough, and Bernoulli's equation just, like, Phil, didn't Phil give Rome. sufficient lift. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I have friends who's like, oh, it's like, oh. It would be very a lot better if I was better at Fahrenheit now, but uh, well, I have Danish... I- I have Danish friends who's like, and then it was 29 degrees an entire day. And it was only like 19 degrees during the night. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, for context, it's, it's, we're, we've been coming up on that part of the summer where the rain doesn't cool us off in the afternoons anymore. And so it's like perpetually 95 Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, just, just about body temperature. Right, right. Like just enough yeah. for you to like feel like you're f- float, floating, sleeping, not functioning but as a human being. Really, what is up with that? Because why are you sweating when it's just not even as hot as your body, like your core temperature? Like because your body is struggle is like used to maintaining that core temperature when the environmental temperature is like seventy. So no. if it gets too high, then your body is like struggling to balance out that. But couldn't it just be like? I don't know. Because you generate heat of... too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, how are you, Dana? My favorite oh. lizard person. My... <laughs> I'm so glad I have a fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I guess I guess we can touch on how my experiment failed and how yeah. we're going to talk about that very experiment today in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lab. Oh, lab. lab. Yeah, Maybe so well. for... For those of you who are new listeners here, um, welcome, first of all. Um, second of all, for context, Caroline's a pharmacist, and I am a graduate student getting my PhD in biological engineering at the University of Colorado. And Biological engineering is probably a weird type of engineering that you haven't heard of before, um, but it's just like mechanical engineering, except instead of using like wrenches and screwdrivers, <laughs> I use bacteria. It's just very um, small. Yeah, it's it's literally just like building systems and building platforms and processes using biological systems rather than mechanical systems. So it's pretty much the same type of problem solving. We just have a different toolbox. 
It's so cool. (laughs) I like it a lot. I'm very happy that I chose this. I'm very happy that this subject got, like, pretty much invented in, like, the last 10 or 15 years. It's kind of... It's a little bit, um... Like, God. What? (laughs) You're just like... No, no, you're thinking of metabolic engineering. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry about that. No, yeah, so I make... (laughs) That was a bad joke. Um, I make uh, treatments for infectious diseases that are really difficult to treat. Um, And those diseases can be difficult to treat for a number of reasons. But the reason why I'm not playing God is because I am developing medicine. The people who are playing God are the ones who are like, let's make E. coli produce a protein it has never produced before. And then we will harvest this protein and and monopolize it. Oh, yeah. So for for context, too, our producer Shane does the the playing God part. It's also funny how he's just like listening to all of this. <laughs> somewhere else judging so email Shane your questions about what it's like to be God at armor at colorado.edu yeah <laughs> I'm playing God at least okay so like I said um, I develop new treatments for diseases and infections that are really hard to treat um, and there's a number of reasons why an infection would be difficult to treat some bacteria are really good at hiding Some bacteria can't be killed by antibiotics. Some bacteria are both of these things at the same time. (laughs) Listen to our tuberculosis episode if you want to to learn more about that. OTV. (laughs) A lizard person's favorite bacterial illness. That was when it all began. (laughs) That's where it all began with their waxy coating. Yeah. Okay, anyway. um, So... Other bacteria, and the bacteria that I focus on trying to kill, form highly intricate civilizations that are so well organized that they are the closest thing to bacteria, single-celled organisms. They're the closest thing bacteria are to being a multicellular organism because they're so well coordinated. And this is the kind of bug that I try I try to figure out a way to break down their defenses. <laughs> so how can we kill this? Well... I don't know yet. <laughs> that's the problem, right? Like, that's yeah. why I'm doing research Million on this. dollar question. We, we have some ideas, um, but none of them have been, like, extraordinarily foolproof yet. So I wouldn't be able to tell you how to kill it. But let's learn about what it is. The biofilm. I'm going to say biofilm a lot. So when I mention biofilm, I'm talking about microbial city. It's just a fancy word for microbial settlement city. Also, and every time it. we say biofilm, you should take a sip of a beer. If it's that time of day. Or if <laughs> and you feel if like you it. are old enough in your respective country. Obviously, obviously. This and is America. And if you're not, just don't tell us about it. You can commit crimes <laughs> in the comfort of your own home. <laughs> Anarchy. Maybe, let's not give legal advice. This is not no, a legal advice is, type of no, show. Don't no, listen no. to us. Sorry. We'll, we'll just go back to biofilm. We'll go back to what we know. Yeah. The intricate world of bacteria. <laughs> so when humans form a city, Caroline, they have better defenses. They have more order. They have more control, more resistance, right? Like natural disasters happen and they can deal with it like a lot better, right? Um, they could get attacked by another city. This sounds like 
Greece, oh, like <laughs> little like city states that are just like ah, yes. for Artemis. <laughs> yes. Oh, but yeah, you. so if a city attacks you and you are like more well organized, you are better at responding, right? So you can deal out different tasks. Like you take care of holding off those other cities' troops. You make sure that resources are reaching soldiers. You make sure that the city's health facilities are operating well. So like, it's a lot easier to coordinate a response during an attack. You can also like grow and learn and coordinate a lot more efficiently in a city, right? Because your basic needs are met, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It applies to bacteria. I'm just kidding. Like, maybe not, the, <laughs> maybe not like to the enlightenment level, like the, the pyramid, <laughs> but the first three, right? Like if you have the food, you got the shelter, you know, you're not, you, you got the social interaction, right? You're going to be much happier and able to fulfill your needs higher up. So this long-winded analogy is just to say that the fact that bacteria can live as biofilms just means that they're much better coordinated and can deal with attack a lot better. Yeah. It's smart. It's smart. It's cool. Every bacteria can form a biofilm. Every single bacteria has the capability of forming really? a biofilm. Yes. I didn't know that. I thought it was only specialized ones. No. So there are some that have a higher propensity to form biofilms. So we'll talk about it later in the episode. But Pseudomonas, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, is like the king of biofilm bacteria. He makes the chunkiest biofilms ever i love working with pseudomonas because they're super easy to grow they, they, they um they provide they provide <laughs> they're good they're good bacteria for biofilms and i grow them over 48 hours so after 48 hours you can actually see a biofilm with your naked eye it's like sizable it's like a couple meter millimeters oh my god meters <laughs> it's like a couple millimeters um and you can actually see it like without needing a microscope or anything so they grow really fast they're just not all bacteria more of the biofilm is like infrastructure so like imagine the city like if we took it (laughs) more weird analogies from the lizard person just trying to be human out here if we bring it bring it and please like please mix in the being human part if we took all of the buildings in a city and we crumbled them down and then we liquefied all of the humans <laughs> the volume me. the volume of the, the ratio right the volume of buildings to humans would yeah. be very very large right yeah. Yeah. same thing with biofilms right okay. where the what you're seeing with your naked eye is not just billions of bacteria it's actually like one percent of what you see is bacterial cells the rest of it is infrastructure that's made up of this sort of extracellular protein gunk. And that's what people call the biofilm because that's what they can see with their eyes. And this gunk is actually highly organized and very intricate. And it has pipe work. Like, it's designed to have pipelines. Like, to make sure that every bacteria that's living in the biofilm gets everything that they need. So it brings in nutrients and it flushes out waste just like, so smart. like the a piping system of a- Yes, right, isn't it amazing? I love biofilms so much. They're super brilliant. You look like you're thinking, Caroline. No, I'm just, We're like I'm just, struggling with the concept that I, biofilms I am struggling, are super but like intelligent. Every, the more I learn about bacteria, 
the more fascinated and scared I am of yeah, like the level of. Uh, I mean, also it's a very like human centric way of looking at the world. Like uh, so this is a human thing. Like actually, not really. Um, but uh, but yeah, I did not know that. That's let's very go, clever. Let's go deeper. Let's yes. let's freak you out some more because that's not all. <laughs> so. The reason I bring up the analogy to a multicellular organism is because in a multicellular organism like a human, you all every single cell in your body has exactly the same DNA except for the cells you use to reproduce. So sperm and eggs have half your normal DNA, right? So they can unite with a partner and create a genetically diverse offspring. But how does your little skin cell you know, know to be a skin cell? And why does it look and behave differently from your little brain cell, you know? So they have the same DNA, but they read different parts of it based on signals they receive from their environment. And these are all signals that come in during development. So built into your DNA is like, all right, have you gotten this many cells so far? Great. If you're like at this part of the body, start making a brainstem. If you're at this part of the body, start making a digestive tract, right? And so stem cells, and the reason why they're so, like, brilliant for their applications in medicine is because if you take stem cells from one patient, you could grow them hypothetically, hypothetically, into any part of that person's body artificially by just providing those proper signals. And then you wouldn't have to worry about their body rejecting an organ from a donor because mm. the DNA is different, right? And so in this made way, it we could... Yeah, yeah, they built it themselves. And so it could bypass the whole issue of um, organ rejection, right? And we could save more lives. So that's why stem cells are super interesting. But yeah, ultimately, every cell in your body is being read as if it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book. And it just does what it needs to do to, like, make a person. Bacteria don't do this, right? Bacteria are single cellular. So... One organism wolfgang. <laughs> kind of. Besides other gangs of wolf gang. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Where were you going with that? I know. What's it's like a one person you... army, but like a one cell army. Like right. I can do everything myself. Like I am an island, but they're like islands beside each other. We're friends. Unless they're in a biofilm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So bacteria, the, the fancy word for when bacteria are not living in a biofilm is planktonic. It's like plankton in the ocean. They live alone, every plankton for himself. I work three jobs and I am self-sufficient and am independent. Enough. Yeah, um, that style. So the, the common misconception is that that's how bacteria are all the time. But it, it's, it's quite hot. Like bacteria form biofilms in a, in a shockingly high number of situations. 60% of clinical infections are biofilms. And... What I really want to point out about biofilms is, like, those those attacks that I'm saying they can resist, yeah, that includes antibiotics. So if all of our antibiotics are being tested on planktonic bacteria, mm. why do you expect them all to work on biofilms? <laughs> it's wrong. It's just wrong. <laughs> and so then this leads to the antibiotic resistance thing, right? Because then if one guy, right, Terrence, in the biofilm knows how to resist vancomycin, he's just going to send that to everyone else in his city through this intricate network of pipes, or their mail system. Like, it's very easy for Terrence to spread the word. Terrence is... Terrence is, 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 a, is a team player. 
so and they're all Terrence. They're all Terrence. We need they're to all Terrence. <laughs> yeah, right. Go back to horizontal gene transfer. They all become Terrence. <laughs> yeah. So what happens in a biofilm is just like in a multicellular organism, the DNA that each of those bacteria has starts to diversify. And so the bacteria that are at the very like bottom of the biofilm where there's not a lot of oxygen, they adapt so that they don't need oxygen or that they stop producing processes that need oxygen and their friends right above them who do have access to oxygen, they just like secrete what they produce to keep their friends healthy, right? So everyone starts to have a different role. Some of them will break down food and then share the nutrients with their with their buddies. Some of them will participate in defenses from either the body or chemical attack and like be on like the outskirts of the biofilm. Some of them build the infrastructure, right? They produce the gunk that makes up the biofilm, organize all of the pipes. Some of them process waste. Like they they all like start doing their own thing own thing to the point that their DNA expression is different even if they all had identical DNA to begin with. Which is bizarre. Like, how, like, like... That's some multi... You're an animal now. Yeah, you're exactly. not a bacteria anymore. <laughs> how long until they take over, Caroline? Maybe I'm not a lizard person. I sound like a biofilm who's, like, waxing poetic about my own kind. <laughs> yeah. Fear us. Fear us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's amazing that we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe the biofilms haven't taken us down yeah, yet. <laughs> Little side topic, I saw something yesterday about ants having more biomass than humans have. So just imagine if the ants started to just fight back and just like took over. You mean if they put all the ants together in some kind of like large ant hive mind monster? Mm-hmm. There is like, bi- like, like, bi- like, there is... All of the ants in the world, way more than all of the people in the world. There's just like, and that like, I didn't know there was so many ants. I mean, that's also true of like the bacteria on your body right now. Exactly. Humans, like are, human, humans are basically just bacteria in a trench coat pretending to be human. <laughs> we just, I see it more like we're like our own little, uh, like our own little, uh, little closed like universe but like uh what do you our call? own little like ecosystem yeah ecosystem like yeah. think of all of the all of the organisms you host like yeah. you're never alone you're you never have someone alone. who needs you okay you can't be lonely debbie no. you have all these bacteria with you all the time <laughs> at one point you will die and they will eat you and they then they will, will also you. die <laughs> yeah yeah scary stuff scary, scary stuff, stuff. All right, to wrap up my intro on the biofilms, um, the last thing I wanted to touch on was when biofilms form. So biofilms, if you're Pseudomonas aeruginosa, you just exist as a biofilm and you don't care about anyone or anything. Sometimes, though, um, bacteria, they don't love forming biofilms. They would rather be planktonic. Um, And this usually happens because biofilms like flow. So they can't generate flow on their own. That's their one weakness. Once they figure it out, they will take over the world. But they can't generate flow. And so biofilms will usually form in parts of your body or in even like things in the everyday world that provide them with flow. So 
you'll get biofilms in your lungs because when you breathe in, that allows flow to happen, which brings Mm -hmm. in nutrients and takes out waste, right? And it, like, basically is what allows that pipe network to function. And they'll form in sinks because there's always water, like, running through Ah, and bringing in flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that means that they have to be tough enough to not fall apart when, like, even an insane hose, like, super, like, insane water flow is pushing against them. So that's the other terrifying thing about biofilms. Antibiotics can't kill them. Or, like, they can't, but you need a very, very high dosage. Um, Your immune system can't always kill them. And you can't even, like, wash them off. You can't even, like, scrape them off. (laughs) That was what I thought biofilms were for. Or, like, I thought that the... uh, The... Yeah, the reason why bacteria made biofilms was because so they could grab onto things better. But, like, they can do a lot more than that, apparently. Yes, they can. (laughs) Yes, they can. So they'll actually usually form biofilms when there's some kind of stress or some kind of environmental attack. So generally what happens is the biofilm, if it's a bacteria that doesn't like forming a biofilm, it will form a biofilm if your body starts attacking it. It will form a biofilm if there's a ton of antibiotics in the area because it knows it's more resistant that way. And so bacteria just like click on into survival mode, right? And the genes that control that shift to biofilm survival mode, they're the same genes that shift the antibiotic resistance survival mode too. So they kind of go hand in hand and and that's also terrifying. Um, Can different types of bacteria form a biofilm together? Can they live in harmony? Yes, they can. Oh no. Yes, they can. We can talk about quorum sensing sometime, but yeah, <laughs> bacteria will totally live in harmony together and do a great job running their city. Just like ants. <laughs> yes, like, are you, like, afraid of ants? I'm very afraid of ants. <laughs> or, like, I, I, I wasn't until, like, I realized how smart they are. Or, like, You, the, like, watch a Discovery Channel special mm-hmm. on ants yeah. and, like, lie awake <laughs> at night and you're like... Huh, it's, like, huh. scary movie, <laughs> like, dum, 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 the ants are coming. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about some examples. Yes, please. Like I said, biofilms are all over the place, including on your body right now. (sighs) Woohoo! This ecosystem. Just, yeah. You could totally Google, like, biofilm faucet and just never want to wash your hands or drink water from your sink again. (laughs) Because I live in there. Yeah. Or, like, some drains drains have, like, a plug, and if you pull the plug up it's like coated in a biofilm so there's your challenge take home homework assignment i've heard do you know if certain type of metals infect or like have an effect on biofilms yeah they they'll still form on a metal if there's flow yeah because i know that certain bacteria doesn't like certain types of metallics yeah, um, in some so. cases, but I know too that NASA. Okay, <laughs> this I have an episode idea, and it's really good. We should talk about antimicrobial resistance in space because it's way way worse than it is on Earth. Really? <laughs> because the yeah, because the microgravity conditions make the bacteria think that they're in starvation mode. Oh, and then they just go full mental and like yeah, ah! they go mental, and so they go into survival mode, turn on all of their resistance genes, and so the International Space Station is always finding like super MRSA, <laughs> just like no. around. 
Yeah, and so I've actually tweeted at Elon Musk from Armor and just been like, hey, if you want to go to Mars, you need us. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't reply. He totally ignored me. (laughs) Too bad, too bad. I think, yeah, he's probably busy. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) But yes, to answer your question, um, one of the things that uh, people need to be thinking about when they're building spacecraft and building materials inside of spacecraft is... Can we make this somehow resistant to bacteria growing on them? That was bad word choice. Can we make this sterile without the use of antibiotics? And Better. Part of my work was addressing that. Not so much anymore because I can barely make the treatment right now. <laughs> It'll get better, Dan. It'll get better. <laughs> Where were we? The examples. Examples, right. yes. Should, do you want to be grossed out Yes, first? please. No, no. Yeah, just then I have time to process it better. All right, all right. So the most common biofilm that you probably hear about all the time is plaque on your teeth. Oh, great. Yes. (laughs) So um, this is why the rule is to brush your teeth like every, like in the morning and at night, because it takes roughly 15 hours for a mid-stage biofilm to form. So in its early stage, you can still scrape it off very easily. But if you let it go on for, I think, three days is the magic number, it's not coming off. And so when you go to the dentist and they start, like, scraping at your teeth and you're like, why are you, like, I don't understand yeah. this. It's like, why is this good for my What teeth? is this? Plus, like, why, why are you getting stuff off? <laughs> like, exactly. They're scraping off a biofilm. And that is how hard they have to hack at your teeth to break up a biofilm. That is concerning. Yeah, so don't Google biofilm plaque because you're going to get, like, the dentist horror oh. pictures of people. Am I going have, to do like, that again chunky... now? Like the hairy tongue? The hairy tongue? Oh. No, I won't do it this time. No, I'm not in the mood. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> not today. Not today. Yes. So brush your teeth. Your yes. Mook. Yeah. Brush your teeth. Wash your hands. Yes. And then we touched on the biofilms in the sink because you're always washing down, like, your dead skin cells. Also... If you're using antimicrobial soap, you are only perpetuating the biofilm's strength. Don't do that. You're washing it down the sink and just making it stronger. It will take over the world and it will start with your house. <laughs> First the ants will come. Yes. Then the bacteria. First the ants will come and then the bacteria. You know, fight to the death. <laughs> okay. So now, this whole episode was just so I could talk about cystic fibrosis, which is my favorite... Uh, genetic disease, which is kind of a weird thing to say because it's a really tragic disease. It's terrible. But I think it's, yeah, but I find it extraordinarily interesting um, because it's a very, very simple mistake in the genetic code that leads to cystic fibrosis. So, to, so small. Right, right. It's so, so small. It's so, so small. But this is like the reason why mutations can be so impactful, right? So, Cystic fibrosis messes up how salt balance functions in your lungs. And your lung cells have a really important maintenance function. They want to keep the lungs moist, right? But not too moist, because if you accumulate fluid in your lungs, you get pneumonia because bacteria grow in them. But you want to be able to, like, capture bacteria that you breathe in and then flush them away and sort of go through this regular route of, like, waste disposal from the Mm. lungs right so you want to keep the bacteria trapped 
and then keep them chopped long enough to flush everything out. And then if it's too dry, then it just gets stuck on your lungs and your lungs accumulate and just like get super, super filled with mucus. And living in that mucus is bacteria. So that's like- They love it moist. They love it moist. Actually, they don't. They like it dry. (laughs) They do. Oh, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, what happens is if there's more salt outside of your lung cells, your lung cells sort of use Mm -hmm. themselves to balance everything out. So, they can detect the salt concentration outside, and they can detect the salt concentration inside of themselves. If the salt is high outside, they'll open these special channels and release some of their fluids and sort of you know, loosen up the mucus. And so that'll make it like flow down, right? And keep it flowing properly. And if there's not enough salt, then... Sorry, I'm like talking way too much and getting mucus caught in my throat. It's like revenge (laughs) of the pseudomonas. That's much better. Water break. Water break. So... If the, if there's not enough salt in the the cell the 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 mucus lining the lungs, it starts to get very dry. Um, wait a minute. Cells open channels, release fluid. If there's not enough salt, then the cells okay. If there's not enough salt um, in the lungs, then the cells will sort of close up their channels, and that'll allow salt to accumulate, right? And so it'll get a little bit thicker, and that's what you want. So, in cystic fibrosis, there's a genetic mutation that doesn't allow this balancing act to happen. So, the mutation is in the channel, right, that would normally open up when there's too much salt. So, the channel that would normally sort of add fluid to the mucus in the lungs isn't working. It's plugged shut forever. The channel cannot open. It's literally, like, the channel is broken. It's just, like, a a block like the protein is there it just can't open so it's just like this blob that you would normally have fluid pass through and it can't pass any fluid through it's just trapped stuck shut so that means that the mucus in the lungs of someone with cystic fibrosis is extraordinarily thick and so this leads to a lot of the the organ problems when you have cystic fibrosis you're plagued with bacterial infections all the time Pseudomonas aeruginosa particularly affects people with cystic fibrosis because they're such an easy target and it's such an opportunistic pathogen. So it forms biofilms. The entire inside of the lungs of someone with cystic fibrosis is filled with biofilms because you taking a breath in and breathing out is the flow that's necessary to push nutrients through the biofilm. So... That's how cystic fibrosis works. And also the lungs are really nutrient rich. Like they're very... Plus there's like obviously good like uh, uh, oxygen flow and it's warm there because inside the body and it's just... Nice and warm, yes. (laughs) Wow, I am a bacteria. (laughs) Yeah, you are. (laughs) Nice and warm, moist. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. So actually the same, fun fact, the same channel that behaves improperly in cystic fibrosis is the exact same channel that is affected by cholera except that channel is in your gut so a lot of your cells have these channels but cholera it's a bacteria 
it produces a toxin, right? So you get it from eating water that someone pooed in. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and it leads to really, 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 really bad diarrhea. Like, like a faucet. Like, it's bad. It's really, really bad diarrhea. So people usually die from dehydration in that case. But what happens is cholera, the bacteria, knows that if it can get you to just void constantly, it can perpetuate because it'll get into water systems and someone else will eat it. And so when bacteria, like, they grow to fill their environment and once they realize that, like, there's no more resources left, they send, like, bacteria missionaries to go find, like, create a new settlement. <laughs> so they're like, we need to, we need to migrate now. Robert, migrate to go find a new a new settlement. Yeah. yeah. Do you have the saying in English? Uh, it's plague or cholera. No. Maybe it's a Danish one. It's like uh, choosing between two bad things. Like it's like you either do one plague or do one cholera. It's like. Uh... We'll say caught between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> Not as bad at all, but anyway, if you ever, uh, if you ever, uh, if you ever in that situation, you should still choose cholera. If yes, you are in a developed we can world, treat cholera. yes. But also, we can treat the plague. Yeah, now we can. Yeah. Yeah. So, maybe they should revise that old saying. That idiom good old, so that it good has, old saying. It's like, right? Good like, would Danish you rather saying. choose between COVID nineteen or MRSA? <laughs> Yeah, or like, no, 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 it should be rabies, or what else is, like, crazy deadly? Um, is rabies crazy deadly? Yeah, if, yeah, the thing is that you can, you can do something about it, um, like, you can still get the, after, because, what, once it settles, you're, like, you're going to die, but if, um, but if you're, like, because the way you get rabies is often by being bitten by someone else who has rabies, like a dog or something, obviously. Yes, yes. Oh, often. Um, so you know that, okay, I was just bitten by this crazy dog, I should probably go to the doctor, and then they can give you the vaccine and stuff, and then st- stupid, like, then you don't die. But, like, if if you don't do that, and you get you're rabies... You're like, nah, I'll do you, it tomorrow. Yeah, you will die. It's, it's, you will die. What yeah. else is, like, crazy deadly? Wait, I'm a pharmacist, why can't I? I don't know. I think MRSA is pretty good. It's untreatable. Oh, is that a certain kind of brain cancer? Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. It's rabies or crazy brain cancer. Oh, okay. Never mind. Yes. Let's get back on cholera. topic. <laughs> cholera. Yes. Yeah. Back, back to other diseases. It's the same. Yeah. So the bacteria hangs out in your intestines. Um, I can't remember if it's your small or your large intestine. It just camps out in there and it starts producing this toxin that it uses to fulfill its life cycle, right? Because the toxin gives you the diarrhea and then you expel the cholera and their little missionary cholera guys go and they start new settlements and other unfortunate souls digestive tracts. But this toxin goes into the cells in the surrounding small intestine, large intestine, which have the responsibility of managing the salt concentration in your digestive tract. And it, instead of plugging them, like blocking them, it just traps them in the open position oh so it's just like water out with the water oh that, that's why you get the get the, that's why you get the diarrhea ah cool yeah cool. yeah so, so cool yeah so cystic fibrosis and cholera have more in common than you thought <laughs> it's just it's just like the the other way 
and like one place is like genetic and the other one is is a little it's a little mm-hmm. guest that comes into your body and yes little guest <laughs> destroys the party destroys yeah so that's all i had for biofilms do you have questions oh well would it be po- okay i'm i'm thinking since did you say 60% of bacteria makes biofilm like on a regular basis well, 60% of infections, Ooh, clinical, clinically relevant infections. So I imagine what people go to the doctor for, like mm. infections that won't resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, 60% of them are biofilm related. Wouldn't it be a good idea to make medicines that works against biofilm? It certainly would. That's what I'm trying to get my doctor in. <laughs> I think it's Tell a great idea, Caroline. And I'm so glad your attention to detail. <laughs> So you're fixing that now, Dana. That's nice. That's yes. good to know. Thank you. Yes. So I'm, I'm working on that. 60% of all diseases. Of infectious diseases. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to use... So the treatment that I develop brings in, we'll say, metabolic stress. It scrambles the way bacteria process energy. And so it throws them into survival mode or it makes them impossible for them to, like, get energy from nutrients and actually use it in the cell. It just scrambles all, all of the things just go haywire because there's too much going around. And so what I'll do is there's two ways we can use it. If you give them enough of this energy scrambling treatment, uh, they'll just die. Um, but sometimes if you give them this treatment, their response is to form a biofilm. And so oh. it, like the biofilm just like gets bigger, right? So it's kind of dangerous to just do it with this treatment alone, right? Because if you don't have the dosages exactly right, the risk is very high. Yeah, you can make it worse. You could make it so much worse. So what I do is I found that if you use very, very small concentrations of this and make them like a little bit stressed out, they become susceptible to antibiotics that they were once resistant to. But not a large amount, right? So you want to keep both concentrations really low, and it's almost like a Trojan horse. They, like, don't see it coming. They're, like, so busy taking care of the energy issue, they forget about the antibiotics. Or they're so busy taking care of the antibiotics that they forget about, you know, their energy process getting scrambled. So Didn't know what hit them. Exactly. But even then, if you don't get the concentrations exactly right, it can be super dangerous. So... I wouldn't say this is ideal yet for human application, but that's my work. That's what I do. Hey, hey, thank you, Dana. You're very welcome. On behalf of uh, the world. (laughs) The whole world. Yes, I'll I'll take that position. (laughs) I'll I'll be the representative from our human world to your lizard world. Thank you. My lizard world. I also speak on behalf of tuberculosis. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would not like to talk to tuberculosis. I do. Not I like have a few you. choice words for tuberculosis. <laughs> <laughs> you are clever, and it annoys me. It annoys me. Why are you still killing so many people, even though you're an infectious disease? And I thought we solved yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like infectious diseases because compared to a lot of other diseases, it's like it's like pure on war, and you can actually win. <laughs> it is evolution live. Yeah. Mm. In person, literally inside people, but also something you can see in person. Yeah, but also like, I mean, with a lot of other diseases, like vascular diseases, or I don't know, stuff like that. It's like your body who is, it's kind of the problem. So you kind of have to solve that, but like not kill anything because it's still your body. I'm going to tell that to someone. (laughs) 
<laughs> so you like, brought this on yourself. Have, like high cholesterol. I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean it like that. I was just like, like yeah, I, it's just, it's, it's another, uh, it's a whole other, uh, uh, yeah, situation. <laughs> I totally um, get it that though. You, and often like the way you have to cure it is, okay, take this mes- medicine and take it for the rest of your life. Which is why pharmaceutical companies also really like people with high cholesterol and vascular yay, disease. Yay! Yay! Yeah, yeah. Not yay! They're it's, exploiting <laughs> vulnerable people. <laughs> it's it's a it's a business model. Yeah. It is. It is as far as business models go. I'm sure that entrepreneurs are just like yes. Yeah. <laughs> Foolproof. Yeah. Now you'll have to take this for the rest of your life. And then if someone is like, "Hey, everyone, I cured diabetes," they're like, "Shut up." <laughs> no. No, you did not cure diabetes. You oh, 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 you're close to it. Let's buy your company. Yeah. <laughs> oh, didn't work. Oh, oh, that's that's another, another <laughs> topic. Oh, whatever. That was armor on the air. It was. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Keep up with our weekly show wherever you get your podcasts. I actually don't know if we're on Apple Podcasts yet. I haven't seen us. Go to Spotify. Yeah, go to Spotify. (laughs) If you want to hang out with us more, we meet every Tuesday at 2.30 via Zoom. Yes, we are still socially distancing. And yes, Caroline and I record this podcast over Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see people. I don't see people. I have literally, like, I've been recording podcasts for what, like, two months now? Two, three months now? Almost three months we've been recording this podcast. Oh, Almost three months, and we have never done it. Like, you know when the pandemic ends, and it gets resolved, and we can finally be in person again? We're going to be there in person and be like, I don't know how to do this. (laughs) How much eye contact is needed? Should I touch your shoulder? I don't know. (laughs) Standing here and waiting. So, if you want to hang out with us every Tuesday at 2.30 via Zoom, 2.30 Mountain Daylight Time, MDT, GMT minus six. If it were up to me, I would put the whole world on the same time. Oh, Gemini. and then that it would just be like, uh, yeah, it's 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 two, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like that personally. People make fun of me for it, but I'm from Arizona where we didn't have daylight savings, and now we're in Colorado where we do have daylight savings, and I hate <laughs> it. It is stupid. <laughs> Wait, but, uh, okay, so you're not talking about... Okay, okay, I understand you now. I didn't understand you. Uh, yes, yes, I agree with that. Cancel daylight saving. Everywhere in the world. Yes, please. Yes. Like the, the Air Force does it. Because they got to communicate with each other, and so they use GMT time. I have an Air Force friend. He tells me it's the... Or, like, at least done. just don't... Like, do it at the same time. Like... Like, Europe, and I mean, like, switch the... Okay. Are we talking about, like, like different time zones? Are we talking about, like, when you go to the summer, half summer year, or half, like, winter year? or like? I am talking yeah. about every single part of the entire globe being at the same time. Oh, okay, it I is... thought you was no. talking about daylight savings time. No, I'm oh, talking okay. about... Okay. I'm talking about something far more radical. <laughs> okay, that's, that's some ne- next level stuff, Dana. That's, uh, yep. Oh. Fight me about it. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to join us, um, 
if you want to join us via Zoom when we do this, except I, I, I would say there's no filter, but I feel like we're we're getting too comfortable and we're we're breaching on approaching no filter. Yes. Um, if you want to hang out with us, you should email us at armor at colorado.edu. We will get back to you. We also hang out on social media on Twitter and Instagram at CU underscore armor. And if you don't live in Boulder, Colorado, and you recognize that your community needs education on antimicrobial resistance, visit arclabs.org forward slash armor to learn how to start your own chapter. And that was Armor on the Air, where we cover everything from Pseudomonas, the king of biofilms, to I am a lizard person, to... (laughs) It's so warm here! (laughs) Global meridian time. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye!